What is up, Fathom fam? We're so glad you're here. Our church vision for 2021 is that we would be a body growing stronger and listening to this weekly sermon podcast, actively applying what God is teaching you as you walk with him, rest in his power, and invest in the relationships that bring him glory is a great start. Remember, you can always check us out online at fathom.church or find us on the Church Center app, YouTube, or Instagram. Find our Fathom Church page on Facebook and make sure to also request to join our Fathom Family Facebook group to keep up with everything happening at Fathom. Lastly, we just want to remind everyone about our Fathom Beyond Sunday podcast. Hop on over there, listen in to some really great conversations applying Sunday's sermon to faith, life, and following Jesus between Monday and Saturday, not just on Sunday. We hope to see you there, but for now, we're going to jump right into the message. Good morning, everyone. It's so good to see you. Uh, here in the room and everyone watching online. I can't see you, but you can see me, so there's that. Uh, but hey, let's can we show some love to our Fathom fam who's not in the room with us, but watching us online. Come on, you can do better than that. Come on, show them some love today. Absolutely. I'm thankful to, to be right here uh, with you all. We are uh, going to wrap up our series we've been in for the past uh, three weeks called uh, The Goat. The Goat. Uh, we've been talking about love and relationships and to wrap that up today. I really feel in my heart next week I'm going to move. I was going somewhere else, but I really feel led to just dive into uh, a discussion on calling and discussion on purpose and really uh, like what on earth are we here for, right? What are we supposed to be doing? What are we invited into? And so we're going to be doing that kind of leading up to our neighborhood party and into uh, Easter uh, weekend. And so we're looking forward to all that. Thankful you're here. If you're a guest, uh, let us know how we can serve you. We've got a, g- a gift for you here on site as well as online. Just, you know, say, hey, I'm a guest. Hey, send me that duck d- donuts gift card. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a good, that's a good little giveaway for our first-time guests, so we're thankful uh, you're here. Hey, I want to take you back a little bit, probably before most of you were born, probably some of you that were alive at, at this time. Uh, but way back in 1947, the first ever drive through was created. Uh, anybody live off drive-through? Come on, just be honest. Just like, eat a little more drive-through. Yeah, somebody just like, absolutely. That was that was uh, one person. So um, yeah, most of us we don't want to admit it. We like the drive-throughs, but back in the day, uh, the drive-through got kicked off with a place called Red's um, Giant Hamburg, not not hamburger. Red's Giant Hamburg. I, I I think they just ran out of room on the sign, or they were filling out the application for their business, and we're like, there's just not room. Uh, my daughter, the kids do that these days. The kids do that. They like cut words off. Have you heard that? Like they just, it's a slang to just, they're just lazy. My, my four-year-old daughter started doing this like a year and a half ago. Like she would ask for water and she'd say, give me, said, can I have some wad? Like you, you mean water? Is, that, is you asking for what wad? She was just too lazy to put the ER on. I guess they were too to put the ER on. Uh, and, and so that's where the drive-through started. A year later, the uh, In-N-Out Burger opened up with a similar concept to uh, to have that. Then uh, later, Jack in the Box a few years later. Then all the way 1975, the one you all definitely know about is Mickey D's. McDonald's opened up their drive through and kind of changed that concept. And ever since, we've just been kind of hungry for more speed, like this, this faster service, faster everything in our society. By the time 
2005, fast forward all the way to 2005, and Amazon kicks off. They're not selling school textbooks anymore, which is kind of how they got started out of Jeff Bezos' garage. Uh, now they're, they offer this two-day prime service where you can get things two days. You don't even have to go to the store. They're just going to drop it off through the subscription service. Two years later after that, Netflix right, kicks off there. Um, for some of you that don't know, some of you kids don't know, like Netflix used to work, you would order your DVDs and they would come in the mail. Like kids, how lame is that? Like that's, it's lame, come in the mail. Well, 2007, they started this watch now feature where you could just click play and just start watching it. Uh, it used to be kind of the highlight of uh, maybe your weekend or it was to go out for dinner, you know, to go, go find dinner somewhere, a sit down restaurant. Well, over the past 15 years, really since this time, like that, that there's a whole new concept that's put a lot of restaurants out of business. The traditional sit down and wait, and now it's what? It's fast casual restaurants, or like everything, like Chipotle and, and, and uh, Panera and businesses like that are where all the attention has gone to. And it's just been over time, slowly, but very surely, we've changed into this culture that we just want, or even our, even our sit down meals, we want to be fast. There's nothing slow about our society. I think Amazon even offers like one day shipping now or like I think they're working on like same day. You can order it now. You can go pick it up here or it'll come to your house. Like I could order my groceries right now and they would be at my house by the time I get there. It's just, it's just crazy to the point that like now when we click a video like uh, online or like a two and a half hour movie and we click play and then we see this little circle spinning, we feel so inconvenienced for those five seconds. We're like, how dare you make me wait on this two-hour movie for five seconds? Like, how dare you? Like, get your life together. <laughs> you know, we're just, we're just, we want everything faster, and we're in this society which it can't be fast enough to get to us, to the content, to the information, to everything we want, we want it now. And kids and teenagers, you don't even realize it, but like you have this sickness. You have this, this thing going on inside where we want it now. And adults, you're not immune to it either. You have this too. You've come down with this cultural pandemic of our soul in which we want everything and we want it now. All of us, we do. Uh, there, there's a, a few small problems. In fact, they're pretty large problems. Is that the way of God the way of love and loving people in relationships is not fast. God's way is not fast. It's not easy. It's, it's actually a slow and difficult way. And that's really the title of my message today is the slow and difficult way of love. Not only is it not the, the way of Jesus, but it, the calling for us as his children to live for his kingdom and to, to, to fulfill the mission that Jesus has set before us, which is to go make disciples. We are unable to do that if we are impatient. Because making disciples, being a part of the kingdom of God means loving slowly and when it's difficult. And so I want to explore this a little more as we go back to our primary text that we've been in for the past four weeks and kind of been the uh, the background text of 1 Corinthians 13. And so we're going to move to 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to read the whole thing, and then I'm going to zero in on one verse, and then I'm going to zero in on one word, okay? So we're going to go here, then we're going to go to one verse, and then we're literally going to just wrap our brains around one word within this text. And you can probably guess which one it is. Anybody guess which one it is? 
It's the word patience we are going to process today. Someone's like, oh, that's my, that's my cue to leave. I don't need any more messages on that. I know I'm impatient. All right, let's dive into uh, the word. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. I just always think, if we don't have love, we're just annoying. <laughs> if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains and move the mountains, but have not love, nothing. If I give away all I have and deliver up my body to be burned, if I'm a, if I'm a martyr for the cause of Christ, but I don't have love, I, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant nor rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends or love never fails. As for prophecies, they're going to cease. They'll pass away. As for tongues, they'll cease. And as for knowledge, it will pass away. We, we prophesy in part, and we, prof- uh, we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, so all those things are alive and well until Jesus comes, because he's when perfect comes, the partial will pass away. What's temporary will pass away. When I was a child, spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I gave up my childish ways, and for now we see in a mirror dimly. Their mirrors back then were, were dim. They were not what we see today. But then we shall know face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I'm fully known. I just love that line. I'm not preaching on that line, but I just, we're going to know fully, like we're fully known right now. Just think about that for a second. Who really knows you fully? God knows you fully. And one day we'll know him like he knows us. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, everybody say it with me. But the greatest of these is love. Uh, The greatest of these is love. I've been in a lot of small groups and counseling sessions and marriage conferences and breakout sessions over the years. And this, this verse will be brought up, 1 Corinthians 13. And, uh, and I'll say, hey, what's, what's sticking out to you? Where, where do you struggle at? And everybody, pretty much without fail, the first thing they say is, oh, I need to work on my patience. Like, I need to be a little more patient. Anybody ever said that after like, that verse gets read? I, just, I realize I need to be more patient. I struggle with this. And I, and I don't know if it's a real realization for us that we struggle with this or if, if patience out of this list of descriptors that Paul gives us is just the most convenient, the, the less likely to be judged on. Because we realize we're all impatient. We're like, you know, if we were to confess and say, hey, actually, I'm rejoicing in evil. Yeah, right. You, you might be a little, open yourself up to a little more judgment in the moment than to say, hey, I struggle with patience because we all realize we all struggle with patience. So I, I've heard this so many times, and it seems to strike a chord within our culture for one reason or another, you know, I, I, like you, can confess truly that I struggle to be patient. I struggle, I struggle to, when my kids are taking too long to get buckled up in the car, I'm like, hurry up, get in the car. 
We've been in here for 30 seconds. Get, get buckled. What are you doing with your life? Like, get buckled. Get frustrated. I, I, get, I get frustrated when I, I, I send emails and it takes somebody 24 hours to get back to me. Like, come on, man. What are you doing with your life? I get really furious. Like, you want to know something that sets me off, that sets your pastor off, that I struggle with? Is when I, I, and I, draw, I tend to drive a little bit fast. <laughs> Few miles over the speed limit, to put it mildly. And, you know, so I, that, there's a special lane that's reserved for me, that left lane. And, and those of you fall into that category. That special lane, um, I think I'm going fast. And then what sets me off is when somebody comes up behind me and like I'm going an acceptable amount, if there's an acceptable amount, over the speed limit. And they come up behind me and they're like 95 and they slam on brakes and they're just riding my tail. Anybody else? Does that just like set you off? And then I'm like, I'm a spite. I'm like, nope, I'm going to slow down. You can go around me. I'm like, See, I told you I'm not perfect. I don't know if you expected me to be perfect. I'll just sit there. I'm like, you can go around. I'm going fast. Get out of my back. Our, our, our whole culture is so fast, and we find ourselves so impatient. Y'all judging me. Y'all need to, y'all need to move on. God's going to work on your heart. Um, but I think when we look at this text, I think oftentimes when we say it, we're like, hey, I need to be more patient so I can show more love. If I'll, if I'll be more patient, then I'll show more love. And I think we kind of miss the way all of things, as Taryn just was teaching us a few minutes ago, it doesn't come out of, okay, I'm going to be more patient so I can be more loving. No, no, no. It's, it's receiving God's love and able to flow through that to someone else. It's, it begins with love. It begins with the Greek word agape. Really, this first sentence, agape, makruthumeo, right? There's your Greek for the day. Agape, meaning like, I expect nothing in return. It's free, just like God has freely given it to us. And so as much as we're going to talk on patience and really unpack that, I want to talk about it from the framework of love. This is the way of love. This is the first thing he says. Love is patient when he begins to try to describe this to the church at Corinth. Because they're getting a lot of other things Right, they've got a lot of other things going for them, but they're missing really this depth of understanding about love. So here's three quick truths on love. First, love must be received and cultivated. Love must be received and cultivated. You know, when we think of it, uh, Romans tells us, Romans chapter 12 tells us that God has given us a seed of faith. It's, it's given, freely given to us. And so if, if I had a bunch of seeds up here and I, I gave them to you, Jackie, I'm just going to give you a bunch of seeds here and you can have those and you can receive those freely. Right? This is the essence of what Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 tells us. It's a free gift of God that he's given us in his love and his grace. And faith itself is a gift to us when it's given to us. But what if, what if you just hold on to that? I'm like, cool, I received his love. And we think that's it. That seed will never grow. The seed must be planted and it must be cultivated. Jesus told us, man, this is going to get, it's going to get hard because Matthew chapter 24, he says this. He says, because lawlessness will be increased, like it's going to grow, people are going to do whatever they want. You can throw the verse up there, Jesse, because lawlessness will be increased. The love of many will grow cold. You kind of feel that in our culture over the years. Like, 
We just get to do what we want. We just get to, you know, and we live in this free society where we can do what we want and do whatever and everybody to each their own. But what's really taking place in the souls of so many, probably right here even in this church, is our, our love is actually growing cold. And Paul said that we, we can't settle for that. We can't settle for that reality among the body of Christ because we're the picture of God himself to the world. He, he talks about this in 1 Thessalonians 3.12. He says, And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another. Just because the love is growing cold out there and everybody's just doing what they want and they think it's going to get them results and it actually is just kind of growing cold in their hearts. Like, no, not among us. We, we need to increase and abound in love for all, for one another and for all as we do for you. We've got to look at this definition of this, of this word a little bit deeper that for, for patience. I talked about agape. It's a freely given to us. So love has to be cultivated in our heart, not just received. So we receive it. So, so how do we cultivate love? Well, first of all, love is cultivated in the struggle. Right? Some of you are like, I thought you were going to give us good news today. No, love is actually cultivated in the struggle. It's actually cultivated when things are really hard. I, I don't do this often, but I want to do it today. I, there, there's a book, there's a big book called The Strong's Concordance. Some of you might have this around the house. It's available online if you want to just save yourself some money and a big fat book on your, um, on your, your bookshelf. Strong's Concordance has all these definitions of the biblical words like this. And so I see the word patience and I can say, I'd like to know a little more about that. So you can go to the Strong's Concordance and look up patience in this verse and I can really understand it. It tells you where everything's located. And so there's this word here I mentioned a few minutes ago, makroth umeo, which is this Greek word for patience. I think oftentimes we won't understand what this really meant. So I want you to, I want you to see how love, agape, Makrath umeo, love is patient. Here's what it means to be patient. To be of long spirit, not to lose heart. To persevere patiently and bravely. I love that word bravely. It's, it, it takes a bit of bravery to hang in there and not quit. And we've, we, this is not in my notes today, but we've just got a lot of cowards. Cowardice is a disease in our culture. We can't face the truth. We can't face the reality. We can't have honest conversations when we failed to one another. We can't be honest because we're, we're actually afraid. Bravely in enduring misfortunes and troubles. And so let's turn our attention back to the meaning of this, to misfortunes and trouble. To be patient in bearing the offenses and injuries of others. Like when they've hurt us or they're hurting, I can bear with them. I can be patient. To be mild and slow and avenging, to be long-suffering, slow to anger, slow to punish. This is kind of a hard word, right? Like for love, like for the reality of our situations, that, that for love to really grow, for us to experience it in the deep places of our heart, it's not going to happen when everything's perfect. It's not going to happen when your marriage is just all on track and we're communicating well and nobody's tired. It's, no, no. It's not going to happen when things are perfect with your roommate or it's not going to happen when everything's perfect at work or with your health. No, no. It's going to happen in the struggle and the misfortunes and the troubles and when they've offended you and somebody's hurting. It's like that 
Then I was talking to one of our landscape guys, and we've, you know, we've got the grass out here, and then over on the side, we have, we've spread a bunch of dirt. You probably saw, like, there's a big hill of dirt, and then it eventually got spread. We put all this seed out. He goes, hey, before we put this next round of seed out, he goes, we need to break up the dirt so that the seed can get in there. And some of us are like, we do everything we can to avoid the trials, to avoid the offenses. We'll just stay away from everybody. And we think that we're actually more loving than we are. Just love's not cultivated yet. It's not as deep as you think it is. You're just insulating yourself from offenses. You're insulating yourself from any kind of struggle or any kind of trial. But James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4 says, My brother, count it all joy when you face, when you fall into various trials, all kinds of struggles. All kinds of offenses and injuries and things you're bearing. Like, you can consider it joy. Why? Why? Because you know that this testing of your faith produces patience. It produces perseverance. God is doing something in the midst of the struggle. And so when it feels like all hell is breaking loose in your marriage, hey, it's actually an invitation to go deeper into his love and for love to be cultivated. When it feels like things are not working in the midst of your business environment, it's actually in that struggle, it's actually an opportunity for love to be cultivated. When someone has hurt you and offended you and you're like, deuces, canceled, it's actually an opportunity, it's an invitation deeper into God's love. Say, hey, I'm actually not gonna do to you what you did to me. I'm actually gonna stay. I'm gonna be resilient. I'm going to hang in here. I'm going to forgive because the Father has freely given uh, given His grace to me. Um, So so we have to know that that love is not only received, but it's cultivated. And how is it cultivated? It's cultivated in the struggles of life. I, I know you would probably like a different word today, but it's the reality and truth for whatever struggle you're at right now. Love is actually at the door seed ready. It's it's turning up the dirt so it can finally take some real root in our life. And oftentimes, as soon as it gets hard, we're unwilling to endure. And so the root gets yanked out again. And so I'm encouraging us today to, to let love be cultivated in the struggles. Love is not only cultivated in the struggle, but it's cultivated slowly. Let's look back at that definition. I've highlighted some different words for you. You probably caught them. Uh, love is, is cultivated slowly. Go back to this. Uh, go back to the next definition highlighted, Jesse. Um, and, and I've got some different words highlighted there. It's to be of, of long spirit. Long. Like it's going to take a while. We're going to have to hang in there to persevere in enduring. Enduring like means you can't quit in the first half. It's, like it's actually going to take some time to really work this out. It's to be patient and bearing. Right? You say, hey, will you bear with me a minute? You're saying, hey, hang on a minute. Patient and bearing the offenses and injuries, mild and slow. Do you see, like the word long-suffering comes up again. Slowly shows up more than any other word in this. To be patient means that love happens slowly. It's cultivated slowly in our life. Slow to anger, slow to punish. I think we, a lot of us would say, this is the part that really gets it. Like, I can roll with you, pastor, on the struggle part, right? I see how I can get stronger through it. This actually can make us stronger. But the slowly part, like, I don't get this, man. It's not the way we're wired. My, my Kenyan brother, uh, Ismail, who's passed away last year, 
Every time he would come to the United States, he's like, everyone's so busy. Everybody's in such a hurry. And I'll just be honest with you, over the past couple months, I've just, just been regularly convicted in trying to model my life after Jesus and looking through the Gospels and seeing like, Jesus is never in a hurry. He's never in a hurry. And I've just, as a recovering workaholic, like I just, I've been convicted over that for the past 20 years, you know, just 15 years at least. Just convicted, God, what, what are you doing in this? Teach me to slow down. Teach me to embrace your way of doing things, which is not in my timing. It's cultivated slowly. I think uh, many times when we think about our spiritual growth, our maturity in Christ, we want it to happen fast. And sometimes we actually come under the illusion that it is happening fast. Like we get a revelation back, pastor, that was a word. I never saw that. Thank you. Or I read some of my devotion. Like, oh my gosh. Or I was listening to the sermon online. and like, oh my gosh. Eyes are open and now I've got freedom. Now I've got surrender. And now I've got all these things. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm growing so fast. feels like we're moving at, at hyper speed. But let me just tell you, like spiritual growth rarely happens in hyper, hyper speed. It happens slowly and it happens when we slow down too. It happens slowly. Oftentimes, we think we're a little further along than what we are. Beckett, I'll, I'll pick on you for a second because you're my oldest, that big smile. Beckett's a, a good little basketball player. Like, I bet he could probably beat anybody in this room uh, in horse. Um, he's, he's beat me in horse. I'll be honest. He, he's beat me. He's got a good shot. And, and the past couple of weeks after basketball season finished, he's been working on some things. And he's got this little crossover and this little step back at 10 years old. I'm like, dude, nice. And, uh, and he feels like, man, I've really, some things have clicked, and I encourage him to tell him he's growing. But then I get out there, and he plays against me, and I swat that thing across the yard just to make sure he knows <laughs> he hasn't grown as fast as he thinks that he has. A lot of times we think we've grown a little bit more than we have. But spiritual growth rarely happens in hyperspeed. It happens slowly. It happens when we slow down, too. Go back to that James passage, James a one, two, three, four. Count all joys, brothers and sisters, when you face trials of various kinds, knowing the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance, let patience have its perfect work so that you'll be complete. So you'll actually get to a place of spiritual maturity that you represent Jesus. And throughout the New Testament, and what this passage tells us, 1 Corinthians 13 tells us, is that Spiritual maturity is not in how much you know. It's not in what you say. It's not how good a show you put on for everybody. Spiritual maturity is connected to our love. Our love for God. Our true, deepest heart of, our, heart of hearts. How much I really love God and how much I really love people. That's why when they asked Jesus, what's most important? He said what? Love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on this. So if you're, you're just kind of convoluted and you're like, I don't really know what to do with my faith. It's just a lot. Hey, love God and genuinely love people. I know that's become trite in our culture, but it's the reality of what spiritual growth really is. It's why it's become so popular. It resonates with us. So love is cultivated when we slow down when we slow down to really reflect on God's goodness, when we slow down to make intentional decisions that honor God, 
Like, can, can I just be honest? I mean, I, I see so much of you and me at times. I just, because I struggle to slow down. I always, always have. I'm just fast paced. Um, if, you, if you walk with me through like a hardware store, like just you better have your running shoes on. We're not going to, we're not just going to check things out. Like we're beelining to where we're going and we're coming out as fast as we can. Um, some of us, we're so uncomfortable when life slows down to us. When we're injured, when we get a vacation, and like we just have this nervous tick, like I can't. Moms, dads, husbands, wives, single adults, like we don't, we don't know how to slow down. We don't know how to stop. And I say we because I include me in the we. We don't know how to, but love is cultivated in the struggle. It's also cultivated slowly. Spiritual growth happens when we slow down, when we repent for the mistakes we made yesterday. We slow down to embrace God's beauty and goodness in this very moment right now. And I don't know when you're going to get a break. I don't know when you've got a day off, when you've got a vacation. But in those moments in which life slows down, don't be like, no, 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 this is weird. I can't deal with this. No, no, slow down. God is, wants to cultivate something deeper in us. I know this is hard to, to gr- gr- grapple with, and it's going to be a process of our lives to embrace this way of God that is in the struggle and in the slowness of life. And some of us, we may be there right now where we're struggling with someone that we're having to be patient with, if you're having to be patient with someone in this room right now, will you just lift your hands? I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Um, if I'm guessing there's someone, there's something that you're having to wait on right now that you don't want to have to wait on. Waiting on an interview to happen. Waiting on business to pick up. Waiting for God to tell you what you're supposed to do next. Waiting for your finances to get worked out. Waiting for your spouse to come along and see it your way. Waiting to have kids. Waiting to find Mr. or Mrs. Wright. Find ourselves waiting. Waiting for things to go back to normal. I don't know about you. We find ourselves waiting. And if you find yourself in that, and I'm guessing in some area of your life, you probably do, then what are we supposed to do in the midst of the waiting? How can we embrace this way of love? Agape makrathumeo. Love is patient. We can first, we can meditate on God's sovereignty and his patience with us. We can meditate on his patience with us, his, his mercy to us. First, uh, excuse, me, for, uh, excuse me, Romans. There is no first Romans. There's only one Romans. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. There's five words in here I want you to pick up on to your brothers and sisters. He's talking about doing what God's called us to do. How can we... How can we offer our life as a living sacrifice? And the the key phrase here is in view of God's mercy. These five words change everything about how we view everyone and everything. He says this in a different part of 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians, excuse me. He said, I no longer view anyone from a worldly point of view. He says it again in Philippians 4. I don't, I don't see you the same way. I don't see the train in the same way. I don't view it from a normal. Why? Because I view, my life is viewed in, in view of God's mercy. You're, if you're in the midst of waiting on someone, an email to come back, a business to get back to you about something, a contract to get closed, an ordeal to get 
to go away? What can we do to be more patient? We can meditate on God's sovereignty, that he's over all. He's over it all. He sees the beginning from the end and all everything in between. We can meditate on his goodness and his mercy in our life. Second thing is we can daily abide um, and, and, and accept the daily invitation to abide in, in God's love. Uh, John chapter 15, verses 8 and 9 says this, By this, uh, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, kind of like what Taryn was saying, uh, that you'll prove to, uh, uh, bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. He says, as the Father has loved me, so I've loved you, abide in my love. We, if we're going to hang in there, if we're going to endure the troubles, first of all, we need to remember how God's waiting for us and is patient with us. He has loving kindness towards us. But we daily got to accept the invitation to receive his love and the opportunities to cultivate his love in the everyday part of our life. The third thing is to freely offer to the person across from us, to the situation across from us, to freely offer to them what God has given you. When it's in view of God's mercy and I'm choosing to abide in his love, then I'm able to freely offer that. Uh, it's agape makarathumeo. It's not just makarathumeo, I'm just going to endure. No, no, no. It's, this, is, this is God's love that does this with us. And I can freely offer that. Like he's free. When I view it in view of God's mercy, then that changes. I can offer that to you. I, I can... When I see how God's been patient with me, when I look through the scriptures and see how he's been patient with Israel, then I can freely offer that to the next person. We can find ourselves. This commandment, John 15, 12, says this commandment, uh, this is my commandment that you love one another as I've loved you. We're supposed to do the same thing that he does to us. And I know, like this is, it's a hard word, but there's, it's, it's good news because it results in something that's, that's huge for our lives and what the, the, the focus of our lives are to be. What's the result of this? If we hang in there and we really learn to, to abide in his love and meditate on his goodness and his patience with us, well, we're going to be more deeply formed to be like Jesus. We're going to, this begins to solve some things in our culture where people are like, I can't go to the church. Those people look nothing like Jesus. Right? And we're not going to be a perfect version of it ever till perfection comes, as the scripture says. But we're going to be deeply formed to be more like Jesus. We're going to be a better representation in our homes, in our businesses, in our cubicles, in our division, in our businesses, in our, in our schools than ever before because we're being deeply formed to be more like Jesus. Uh, the, the second thing is, is we can really participate in the breaking of dysfunctional cycles. We can really participate in the breaking of dysfunctional cycles because this is what happens, right? I'm there and I'm going fast. He comes up behind me and we're all going fast and I get more mad at him and as opposed to just flipping my blinker over and just getting over and be like, have a good day, man. God's working on me. In our homes, in our marriages, in our businesses, we can actually participate and we know it. It takes two to tango. It takes everybody working together to break these dysfunctional cycles that we find ourselves in, but we can participate in it. And finally, we can participate in the work of God's kingdom, that's the making of disciples. If we're not abiding in his love, meditating on his goodness, and taking this slow and difficult way, then we will not be able to make disciples because it happens slowly. The band can come and begin to play. And I uh, wanted to uh, kind of share with you 
Um, m- many of you know that I started doing woodworking right after we started the church. Um, and, and probably it gets viewed as I was doing this as a side hustle to make a living and to, to make ends meet. And uh, that's partly true, but that's not really the whole truth of how uh, God has worked in this kind of side hustle of woodworking. Really, I began to do woodworking as occupational therapy. Um, it started to just make my wife happy, you know, um, to build her stuff. But as I began to do it, I just found comfort in being able to see a project completed. Anybody who's just a part of an assembly line and you don't get to uh, see the end process of what you do, you just, you're, you're one kind of link in the chain. Our culture is really built like that since the invention of the Model T. It's moving with we're, we're these, these supply chains and we just, just go down the list. And I found myself struggling really with making disciples, building the church, but working for the kingdom of God because I couldn't see the end result. The end result took years. It took time. And if you've ever said, hey, I would love to do that, Pastor, but I just can't, I can't find a way. The people frustrate me or I just I don't know my way into this. If we want to participate in God's kingdom, this is the end result of God working in us because we're all called into that. It doesn't matter if pastor is... In front of your name or not, we're called into the mission of God to make disciples. To see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. But we can't do that if we're impatient. We can't be a part of that because it's going to take time to love someone well when they've offended you. To not rebut with them what they've done to you, but to actually forgive them as God has forgiven you. When you're in a hurry and you've got deadlines, I'm not saying you can't draw the line and say, hey, deadline's got to be met, but I can offer them some mercy in the moment and speak lovingly and communicate in a way that honors God. I can slow down and reflect on that. So the end result is we can be a part of what God's doing in us, be a part of what God's doing in the world. This is a beautiful picture of the kingdom of God. It's slow and it's difficult, but this is the way of God. And if we want to delight in the way of God, then, then we've got to embrace this life. As counterintuitive, as counterculture it is, this is the way we're called into. I'm going to ask you to stand. And this band's going to lead us in a song in just a few moments with a cry to just be more like Jesus. And that's, that's our prayer as we close today. Would you pray with me? Father, I confess for myself and for us as a people online and here in person, God, that we struggle with this. We, we struggle to be patient with those closest to us. We struggle to be patient with those we work in close proximity with. God, right now we struggle to, to be patient with society at large. To just get things back to the way they were before. But God, can we not miss what you're doing in us in this moment? Can, can we see every slowdown as an invitation into your love? Can we see every checkout line and an unreplied email as an invitation to be deeply formed on the inside? God, in the moments that are too slow for us, can you remind us, God, that we're participating in breaking the dysfunction? God, and can you lead us to the path of righteousness for your namesake that would be a part of carrying forward the gospel to go make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything that you've commanded us and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit.
Father, we remember today you are with us. You are with us in the struggle. You're with us in the slowness. God, may we become ever aware of your presence in the slow and difficult parts of this life. Help us to be a countercultural movement in the midst of this culture that's so different. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's pray. Let's open up our, our hearts and worship.